Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. More time. Are you excited to be at church today for Easter Sunday? So glad to be with you. My name is Aaron Burke, and I have the huge honor of being the lead pastor here at Radiant Church. And I want to greet all of our locations that are joining us right now. We are in part four of a series that we are calling The Miracles of Jesus, where we have taken the last few weeks and really dissected and learned about the different miracles that Jesus did. There's 37 of them that are mentioned in the Gospels. And we're taking this series, we're going to continue it over the next few weeks and learn some crucial lessons because we believe that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the fact that he did miracles back then gives us hope that he can do miracles in your life today. So it's a faith-building series, and you're leaving it encouraged. And today's message is going to help you and really build your faith because we're going to deal with one of the greatest fears that everybody deals with. So we all deal with fear. So let's have a moment of vulnerability this Easter. And, and I'll throw out some of my fears. Maybe you have one of them. Um, one of the phobias that a lot of people have is arachnophobia. How, how many How many of you go, yeah, yeah, spiders are not my thing. Come on, let me see the hands across all of our campuses. Yeah, you're my people. Like, I don't do well with spiders at all. Like, I, I was at our North Tampa. We just got a bunch of land for our North Tampa location, walking around the land, and, and I walked right into a spider web. And I'm telling you, I freaked out. I'm so glad none of it was on video. I mean, I look like, ah, like spiders and me just don't mix. And so uh, that, that's one phobia. Um, uh, ophidiophobia is actually the, this fear of snakes. Anybody that like you and snakes don't mix real well. Okay, yeah. Can you imagine like that snake just crawling across you while you're sleeping at night? Like uh, not, not, not a good one right there. That's, that's not a fun one. And then uh, acrophobia is the fear of heights. Anybody not do well with heights out there? Yeah. Like some of you, I mean, a lot of the service. Yeah, you're just like, I don't do well. Keep me on the ground. I don't want to be next to a ledge or anything. Um, some of y'all are feeling this at some of our campuses right now because I know a lot of them are in overflow after overflow. Um, it, it's claustrophobia. Come on, that's the, like tight spaces. Anybody like, no, I just don't do well. Like, give me some space around here. Like, I, I got to be able to escape. Uh, the, the, I, one of them I really deal with a lot, I'll just be vulnerable with you. I, I call it cat ownerophobia, which is basically the fear of cat owners. Like, just don't understand you people. And so just a real fear that we deal with. And, and, and psychology actually has taught us that those fears are really symptoms. They're not the actual fear. The actual fear that's driving it, they put some major indicators on what's actually driving it. And the greatest driver of all of our fears is actually the fear of death. The fear of death is this idea that, that, this, that it's going to end, that it's going to finish up. And when it does that, it's so much about the idea that there's hopelessness. And it's so much about the finality of death. And when you think about it, this is one of those things that none of us can really escape. The death rate is still 100%. Like, there's no way to get out of it. It's one of those quotes about life. It's like, life, welcome. Nobody gets out of it alive. So that's kind of the way it works. And, and the reality is, is that death happens to all of us. Not just physical death, but we all experience death in a relationship or death in our purpose or death in our joy. You're in a season right now, many of you, you feel death inside of your spirit. You don't, you don't know how to live alive. And that's why I want to give you the miracle today from the Gospels that'll help you today. And I'm titled today's message, Victory over death. Victory over death. If you have your notes that you got when you came in today, we are a note-taking church. I want you to take those notes out because I'm going to challenge you that this is what Easter is all about. Easter is all about the fact that Jesus provides us victory 
over death in our lives, no matter what you're going through right now. Paul wrote it this way. He says, where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? Because of what Jesus did. Like, like what the world experiences with death, Christians don't have to experience it. He says, the sting of death is sin. And haven't we all experienced that? That pain, that heartache that comes with, with sin. And he says, and the power of sin is the law. But, and I want you to see this because we're gonna rejoice after I read verse 57 because verse 57 gives us so much hope to the death that's in our world today. Look what he says. He says, but thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Can we celebrate him today? That is some good news today, church. So three keys, they're right there in your notes. I want you to write them down. Here's the first one, and I want you to get this today, that death does not have the final say. That no matter what you're going through in your life right now, it might seem dead, but it does not have the final say, and I'll teach you why in just a second. Here's your second one, is that your story isn't finished. Your story's not finished. It might seem over in your life, but it's not finished. And here's the third one, I want you to get this, is that Jesus still does miracles. He still does miracles. I know you're writing it all down at all of our locations and all of our overflow, but we're gonna say them out loud together. Ready? Here's your three points. First one, death does not have the final say. Here's the second one, your story isn't finished. And the third one, Jesus still does miracles. That's the good news that we're presenting to you today. And I'm gonna present it in kind of a unique way because you would think Easter Sunday, then the story and the miracle I'm gonna talk about is the resurrection of Christ, and I will at the end. But to get there, I actually want to bring you to one of Jesus' very first miracles. It might, not be, it might be a miracle you've never heard of before. I've definitely never preached on this miracle before. And it's a story about Jesus resurrecting a dead boy in a city called Nain. Now, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn there because I want you to see it. It's in the book of Luke chapter 7. It goes Genesis, Exodus, Luke. So it's around that area, okay? That's not true, it's in the New Testament. So we're in the book of Luke, and I want you to see this. And what I've been doing in this series is I've been kind of going verse by verse through the series, um, just teaching us some truths out of it of how Jesus does miracles and how it applies to your life. So let's do the same thing today. Verse 11, it says it like this. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. Now, why is this important? Why is it important that it tells us the name of the town why is it important that it says that the crowds went along with them? Well, let me give you a little geography lesson because Jesus did most of his miracles in this northern area called Capernaum. Capernaum's on the edge of the Sea of Galilee. You see it up there kind of circled in red. And Jesus, in this miracle, it says after he did some miracles up there, he went on a journey towards Nain. If you'll see Nain right down there on the bottom left. Now, here's why that's a big deal. Capernaum is one of the lowest cities sea level-wise in the world. It's 600 feet below sea level. And then you have Nain. Nain is 700 feet above sea level. This is not like a, I'm gonna stumble into Nain. I'm just gonna go by there on my way to a journey. No, he, Jesus went out of his way on a treacherous journey through mountainous terrains to get to this story, to this moment, to help this problem. It shows me something about the nature of God, and I want you to write it down in your notes. Ready? That Jesus is willing to go to extreme measures for you. I want you to hear that. 
Because so many think that God has forgotten them and God's given up on them. I want you to know, no, God has been working behind the scenes in extreme ways to get your attention. You, you, you think you're where you're at today because of something you did. But the reality is you're in your seat that you're in today because God has ordained it and worked it behind the scenes. Come on, can I hear a better amen? Like you have no clue. If you could see the behind the scenes, how God put that one friend in your life, that one Instagram post for you to see, that one group for you to get around, and it was orchestrating it all behind the scenes so that you could get to this place because God goes to extreme measures for you. He cares so much about you. I think about my life growing up, and I thought about, man, all the different times I tried to stray away. I even tried it, and, and when I would get away from the church and get away from God, and it just got miserable. It, I'd always have run right back, and, and I even tried to sin. I, I, I wasn't even good at sinning. I tried. I tried to have fun with it. I couldn't. My mama would always catch me. Something about a praying mama, and she'd always catch me, and I, I'd always have to go right back to it. Why? Because God went through extreme measures because he cares about each one of us. I love how St. Augustine says it this way. He says, God loves each of us as if there were only one of us. What a beautiful picture of how God is. And so he's chasing you down. He's pursuing you. So many times in our own walk with God, we give ourselves way too much credit. We say things like, man, I got my act together. I got, you know, I, 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 we even say this phrase, I submitted my life to Christ. I surrendered. I, I, I finally cleaned myself up. Come on, let's not give ourselves the credit. The credit doesn't belong to us. The credit belongs to him. We didn't pursue him first. He pursued us first. We are not the one that was chasing him. He chased us down. Can we thank a God who is always chasing us down, always pursuing us? That's the God that we serve. So, so Jesus goes on this crazy journey to get to Nain, and look what he, why he gets there, why, why this journey is happening. Verse 12, as he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out. Now we know the reason. And the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and the large crowd from the town was with her. So Jesus is on this journey, and as he's on this journey, he gets to the town gate, and there is, when he gets there, a dead guy. Whoa, like this is a big deal. Now, this isn't a real dead guy, so chill out, okay? So there's a dead guy there, okay? And uh, this guy, he was dying to get this job, by the way. I just want you to know that. I'm just joking. No, I'm just joking. He was in a dead-end career. All right, no, no, okay, we're done with that. Kind of a deadbeat. All right, we're, we're finished. Okay, we got the idea. So, so he gets there, and there's a guy, the Bible says, he's been dead. And, and what do we know about him? Well, we know that he's a son, so we know he's a, he's a male, we know that he's a son of a woman who had lost her husband, so she's a widow. In those days when a person lost their husband, the money didn't go to the spouse, it went to the oldest, the, the oldest child. Well, she, he was the only child. And when that child died, the money actually was then taken. So this lady was in an ultimate hopeless situation. She had lost her husband, she had lost her child, she had lost her money. Doesn't sound like a country song. She lost her house. The dog ran, got ran over by a truck. Like, it's just bad. And, and, and I'm telling you, you got to read this slow and realize, wow, the agony, the pain that she must have gone through in that time. And now it makes sense, doesn't it? When Jesus is days away and takes this journey all the way to Nain, now it makes sense, oh, because there was somebody who was hurting in need of hope and Jesus cared about them. 
I want you to get it this way. Ready? Jesus specializes in bringing hope to hopeless situations. I know, I know your situation. You, you might not seem like it's as bad as this lady in name, but I want you to understand this. No matter how hopeless your situation is, Jesus cares. Jesus loves you. Jesus is for you. And Jesus shows up in hopeless situations. That's the God that we serve. It's good news for all of us today. And the Bible says that when Jesus showed up, he saw the dead body and he approached the woman. And I want you to understand what he said. He said to the woman, he said, and he judged her harshly because she was a sinner and she deserved what she was going through. That's what it says in verse 13. That's not in the Bible. Let me help some of y'all because some of y'all are looking at that going, that is an intense verse. This poor widow. Some of y'all are like, what, what Bible is he reading? That's not in the Bible, just want you to know. But some of y'all, even when you heard that, you go, yeah, that makes sense. That's the God that I know. Because you have a messed up view of who Jesus is. Let me, let me change your view on this. Because when Jesus approaches the lady who's in the worst day of her life, here's the response Jesus says. And when he, the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. That's my Jesus. That's the Jesus that I know. That word, his heart went out to her, is a word of deep sympathy. It's where we get the term, my heart breaks. I want you to know this. When you're broken, Jesus' heart breaks for you. He cares. I wrote it down in your notes this way. Jesus' heart is for you. And, and, and I know that you might be frustrated right now because your mama walked out and the daddy walked out and your, your ex walked out and your friends aren't with you and you feel like you're all alone. I want you to understand this today. Jesus has not walked out on you. His heart is for you. He cares for you. He loves you so much. That's God's heart towards people who are in hopeless situations. And the Bible says he gets to this, to this, this, this dead guy and he gets this the woman, and he said he saw her, and he went to her, and he went to the lady. And I think this is so important. And he said to her, he says, listen, my heart goes out for you. And then he says this phrase. He's like, don't cry. Don't cry. Now, now imagine this. Now, I know this phrase very well because I have, Katie and I have five kids that are 10 and under. And so there's many times if you've got young kids, you know that you use this phrase, don't cry, all the time. Because they come to you with the stupidest things that they're crying about. So my kids will be in the living room. They'll come to me. They're just crying. Ah! I'm like, did somebody die? What's happening? No, they stole my Lego. I'm like, don't cry. There's real issues in the world today. Your issue is stupid. Get over the Lego. Like, like that's what we want to say, right? Don't cry. Don't cry. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. That's how we treat when people are fighting about dumb stuff. But imagine going to the local funeral home and a lady who had just lost her husband and now lost her 20-year-old son and you walk up to her and you go, hey, don't cry. <laughs> it seems insensitive. It seems even harsh that Jesus would say this phrase unless Jesus knew there was more to the story. Unless he knew that there was actually a reason for her not to cry because there was something happening on the other side. You see, the problem with our life is this, is that many times what we do is we end up putting this little um, thing at the end of all of our problems. We put this at the end of it. 
And we say things like, you know, the child has died, period. The job is lost, period. The, 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 the situation is gone, period. It's never gonna get better, period. And here's my problem. Here's what I wanna challenge you with this Easter. Put it down in your notes, ready? You need to stop putting a period where God has placed a comma in your life. Because what you're going through right now doesn't have a period at the end of it. It has a comma because you're in the middle of it and God says he's gonna bring you through what you're going through right now because there's a miracle on the other side. Can we give him a little bit of praise today, church? It's good news for us today. We gotta understand because we keep putting this period there. We say things like the relationship is in it, period. No, the relationship in it, comma, but God brought me something healthier. Can we be real? The, the, the cancer return, period. That's the reality of it. But you change it around and you say, no, the cancer return, comma, but God is using it to build a greater testimony through my life. The job was lost. Actually, the job was lost, comma, but God redirected me to a place with more purpose. <laughs> the, the money's gone. Some of y'all look in your bank account right now. You're like, yeah, it's gone, period. No, the money's gone, and now I'm going to get to rely on the God who says he would supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. You see how the comma changes everything? I'm no longer young. I hear that one all the time. I'm just not young anymore. Great. I'm no longer young. Now I have lots of wisdom to pass on to the next generation. Stop putting a period where God has placed a comma in your life. Remember, death does not have the final say. Remember, your story is not finished. And Jesus still does miracles. We see it in the story of this man, this boy from Nain. We get to verse 14. And I want you to see this. This is such a powerful passage. And it says, and he went up and touched the buyer. Now, now, why is this important? Because the dead body was carried on this thing called a buyer. It was, it was a long poles. It carried the dead body. They would bring it through the town. And when they bring it through the town, the whole purpose of the poles is that it was against Jewish custom for anybody to actually touch the dead body. Like, like today, you can get on the casket, the open casket, and you're all you know, sad and everything. And, and you do it. In Jewish culture, you would never get near it. So the poles were long because they didn't want anybody to get near it because what happened is if you touched the buyer, if you ended up touching the, the body, what would happen is you would now be unclean according to Jewish law for seven days. So for seven days, you weren't allowed to be around anybody else because the dead thing was so toxic and so messed up that there was no way that you could get near it without getting unclean yourself. And that's the way kind of we still treat things in our life that are dead. We go, man, it's messed up. There's no way, I mean, I could get, rid get near it. But you see, Jesus changed the game in all of this. Jesus changed the game because the Bible says that he went up and he touched it. In other words, what nobody else would touch, Jesus touched it. What nobody else would deal with, Jesus dealt with it. When nobody else would get close to it, Jesus would get close to it. Why? He had to get up close. He had to touch it because he had to get in control of the situation. Let me just say it this way. Ready? Write down your notes. When Jesus takes control of a situation, miracles are to be expected. Miracles are to be expected. So I don't know what the situation is in your life. Don't run from God. Run to him. 
Don't get away from him. Get near him. Because if Jesus gets near your situation, miracles happen in your life. If Jesus gets into your marriage, miracles happen. If Jesus gets around your kids, miracles happen. If Jesus gets involved in your finances, miracles can happen in your finances. I'm telling you, when Jesus is involved, miracles are to be expected. Can we give him some praise today, church? I love that about our God. And the Bible says, and he touched him, touched it. And then when he touched it, he said this, he was carrying it, and they said to the young, he said, young man, there's no need to be down. I said, young man. And that's funny right there. It took a while to learn that one, all right? So that's not what he did. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't say young man. He didn't sing the YMCA to him. He, he spoke to the young man and said, young man, the weird things we do here at Radiant Church. All right, young man, and he says, get up, get up. And in other words, what was impossible for becomes possible when Jesus is involved. And the Bible says, and the young man sat up and began to talk. I, I think it's bizarre. Can you imagine if you were there? Now, we're not going to have a moment where this little mommy does this, okay? So that would be odd. But can you imagine being there on the scene where this rabbi, this priest walks in, that nobody knows who he is? The word about him has spread. He comes up, he breaks the law and gets close to the dead body. He touches it and he speaks and says, young man, get up. And all of a sudden, <gasps> and the man starts to speak. Can you imagine that moment right there. I'm telling you, this is the way that God works. He walks into a situation that seems to be over and he speaks into it. Let me just say it over your life right now. Let me tell you, you don't need another Instagrammable post. You don't need another word of encouragement from your friend. You don't need another little quote, let's share this and it'll help your life. Here's what you need. You need a word from God over your life. And one word from God can change everything in your life. One word and everything can be turned around. That's the good news of the gospel. One word from God changes everything. And the Bible says, and he got up and he began to speak. And look at this phrase. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. What was his whole purpose? His whole purpose was he was the head of that household. He was a worker. He was taking care of his mom. He gave him back. Why does Jesus do this? Write it down your notes this way. Because Jesus doesn't just revive you. He redeems your life and restores your purpose. You are created by God, for God, with some kind of great purpose. And I'm telling you, you haven't lost it. I know it might seem like years have passed, but I'm telling you, one moment with Jesus, one moment of resurrection in your life, and that purpose can be restored. Our God can bring you to the purpose and the destiny he has for your life. That's the good news of our Jesus. And the Bible says it like this, and I love this phrase, so we'll end with this one. He says, and they were filled with awe and praised God. Radiant, let us never lose our awe of the fact that Jesus still does miracles today. I'm telling you, we hear him all the time. We get to see him all the time in our church. We get to hear story after story all the time of miracle after miracle after miracle. Many times you can even be desensitized and go, oh, another life change, another mir a marriage restored, another child that came back to the faith. Never lose your awe. I, you know who must have been in most all of all of this? The mama. Can you imagine that mom? Can I, can I take a little bit of liberty with the story? Maybe this didn't happen, but maybe it did. I think it probably did. How did Jesus know about this issue? Well, we know he's God. But how did he know? Maybe, just maybe, that mom 
had enough faith to say, I know it looks dead, but I'm gonna keep praying until something changes in this life. And maybe it was that praying mama that pulled the heart of God out of Cain, out of Capernaum, and drew it down there to Nain. And Jesus walked into that place saying, I know there's a praying mama that's been praying for her kids. Can I just speak prophetically and just, just encourage some of you parents who your kids have walked away from the faith and they're giving up on God and they say they don't even want anything to do with it. They wouldn't even come with you to Easter. I want you to know, you keep praying, you keep believing, you keep sowing God's word into their life. I'm telling you, I know it might look dead right now, but I'm believing he's faithful to even resurrect your children who don't follow him right now. He can do it in your life. And look at that verse one more time. He says, and they had awe in their life because of this. And they said, this must be a prophet among us. And then he says this phrase, God has come to help his people. And the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country and even all the way to Tampa Bay in Florida. Because you know why? Because that's what Jesus came to do, to help his people. We've seen it happen over 15,000 times since we launched this church nine and a half years ago by God's grace, where people who were dead in their sin Life was over for them, and Jesus came and rescued them. I want you to hear just one story. Check this out. When I was in you know, high school and college and in my 20s, all I wanted to pursue was success, and that was really everything. So when I did reach that pinnacle, I had everything financially that I felt like I needed, and I was really completely empty at that point. Two thousand five was kind of the start um, of a of a long journey. I got divorced. Mortgage business, real estate collapsed in two thousand six. I was a regional manager for a bank. I had probably fifty people working for me. My income dropped eighty percent. I lost my house, lost my car. Two thousand and seven, my father got sick. For my dad to be able to pass at the end of me, literally being at like my my weakest moment, um, you know. I look back on that, it was definitely one of the hardest things, if not the hardest things I ever went through. I was pretty angry. I felt like I had, you know, reached all of my goals, checked all the boxes, but I was really kind of blaming everybody else for my demise. 2008, Jessica and I got married. Shortly after that, we had Carson. I felt like I had kind of uh, felt my footing again. From 2008, to 2019, I was kind of in the same mode, not really following God, just kind of doing what I need to do, work focused. I would definitely was looking for something. I just didn't know what I was looking for. So my cousin Jamie, somewhere in 2019, a few weeks before Easter, they took our daughter to Heights and she came back the next week and it's all she talked about is how she wanted to go. We ended up going the following week on Easter. I didn't really know what to expect. So they start to sing and I'm not really sure what that's all about. As the message goes, you know, Pastor Aaron, I felt like he was talking to me personally and I got really upset. You know, I just, I kind of felt like that was where I should be. I didn't really know why I was upset, but I knew that I was in the right spot. For me, that was just the start. Just keep coming back. It's something that they say, and I just kept coming back. So whether it be you know, uh, a message that I heard that week, or whether it be, you know, my men's group, or I have a Thursday morning business group that I belong to. I look forward to going and talking to those guys, you know, being vulnerable, praying for them. After so many years of being lost, I finally made my decision to follow Christ. I, 
don't really know why it took me so long to get baptized. But I think for me, I felt like I was almost not worthy of doing that. The reason I want to get baptized is I wanted to show people this is the way I want to live my life, the rest of my life. Jesus has changed me. If you're giving this your last shot, I've had people in the parking lot come up to me and say, I don't want to be here. And I tell them the same thing every time someone asks me that, is you're in the right place. You got to keep coming back. I just never really had anybody invite me to a church that was a little bit different. Me personally, I wish somebody had done this 10 or 15 or 20 years ago. My life would have been different. I feel like there's so many years that I lost by not following Christ and not learning the right way to live. If I help one person by my story, that's really what I'm looking for. God sent me down this path for a reason. Come on, can we give God some praise for the fact that he's still resurrecting lives? You might be in one of our locations today and go, Aaron, you know, I'm not dead in my life. My marriage is fine. My life is fine. But the fact is, is that we're all dead in our sins. There are, there's no hope for the fact that we cannot get ourselves out of this by ourselves. The Bible says it like this in Ephesians 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and your sins. Like you can't work your way out of it. You can't serve your way out of it. You can't give your way out of it. So what do we do? It couldn't have been us that solves this problem. That's why Jesus came. Because we were the boy at name. We were the one that was dead and hopeless without any ability to save ourselves. But look at verse four. But because of his great love for us. Why did Jesus come? Because he has great love for us. Who is rich in mercy. He made us, and look at this phrase, alive with Christ. In other words, just like Jesus rose from the grave, you can be raised to new life with Christ. And look what it says, even which we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace that you've been saved. Not your works, not what you've done. It's his grace that you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. There is hope because Jesus overcame the grave. You can have new life in Christ. You can. So here's your key point. Ready? Death doesn't have the final say. Might seem dead right now, but Jesus is in the business of messing up funerals right now. Did it four times in the scriptures, four different times where things were dead, and he brought them back to life. One of them is a guy by the name of Lazarus, and when they question if it's even possible for him to raise him from the dead, Jesus responds with, I am the resurrection and the life. You get me, you get life. He says, anyone who believes in me will live. Like your part is not to get yourself out of the grave. Your part is to believe. You, you can't save yourself. You can only surrender. So when you surrender, he saves. I, I, I love this phrase. I wrote it down this way. You are not suffering from anything that a good resurrection can't fix. <laughs> That's what happens. Because he overcame it. Your life can be in victory. Here's the second one. Your story is not finished. It's not finished. I know you might think it's over. It's not, oh, it's not over. It's, it's not. There's more to the story. I love how Peter says it, the apostle. He says, praise be to God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. In his, in his great mercy, he has given us, and I love this phrase, new birth. Like, like it's a fresh start in a living hope 
through whom the resur- through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How do we have new hope? Because of his resurrection. Because Jesus overcame the grave, because he overcame it, we can have hope for the future. I'm telling you, your best days are still ahead of you. There's potential in your future. I, I wrote it down this way. The power of the resurrection means that nothing but the tomb is meant to be empty, <laughs> including your future. There's still more for you. Here's your last one, ready? That Jesus still does miracles. He still does miracles. And he resurrects dead marriages and dead purpose and dead joy. He does it all. But what's interesting about this is that this boy in Nain one day still died. You go, but Jesus overcame death. Why did he still die? Because all of us will one day finish this life up. But the real resurrection, the real life that happened was that that boy had a moment where he was able to be resurrected in his spirit. I'm telling you, let me tell you what needs to change today. It's a moment where you say yes to God to seeing your spirit be resurrected for eternity. That's the decision that changes everything. That's why Paul says it this way. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, God's spirit, is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give, and I love this phrase, life to your mortal bodies. Let me tell you, our, our, our physical bodies will fail, but let me tell you, you can have life in your spirit so that, you know what, no matter what comes your way, you're victorious. No matter what happens in, and, and later on in your life, you're victorious because we get an eternity with heaven, in heaven, with Jesus. That's good news for us today. That's what Jesus came for us to have. And that's why we believe here at Radiant Church. Ready? Easter isn't simply about celebrating a resurrection, which we do celebrate it but it's about experiencing a resurrection in your life. So I don't know who I'm talking to today, but I think I'm talking to a lot of people who are sitting there dead in their sins, dead in life right now. And God's coming to speak to you like that boy in name and say, young man, young woman, more mature man, more mature woman, get up. There's life available for you. And if God's calling you to get up, don't sit there and say, I'm just going to do this thing on my own. No, now it's our surrender moment going, if God's calling me, I'm going to surrender it to him. And you surrender your life to Christ and watch, you'll get born again. You'll have a new, become a new creation. And that's where you get to experience all that God has for your life. So this is the moment right now. This is the moment we've been praying for to all of our campuses. I want you to close your eyes because I want you to have a moment of reflection. Are you dead in your sins right now? Have you given Jesus your life? Well, I prayed a prayer when I was a little kid. No, no, no. Have you been born again? Have you had a moment where Jesus has rescued you out of that sin and bringing you forgiveness and new life? If you haven't, today's your day to get up and follow Christ. So we're going to have a bold moment right now at all of our campuses. We've already done this all day long. And I've, we've had hundreds of people make this decision. But on the count of three, I'm going to count to three. And when I get there, I'm going to ask you, if you're making a decision today to follow Christ, the Spirit is drawing your heart. And you know, I'm not staying dead any longer. If this is your day to say, I'm surrendering my life to Christ, on the count of three, you're going to stand to your feet. And, and it's not to shame you. It's not to embarrass you. It's actually to celebrate you. But there's a bunch of people right now that are praying. Come on, church, you're praying right now because there's spiritual warfare happening over somebody's souls. Let me tell you, God brought you all the way into the room you're in right now. Don't miss the last step right here where you're gonna stand up and go, today's my day. I'm giving my life to Christ. Today's my day. I'm done being dead in my sins. I'm gonna be alive in Him. If that's you on the count of three, you get bold and you stand to your feet and go, today's my day. I'm giving Jesus my life. One, there's people already standing. Two, 
Come on, somebody. If that's you, stand your feet right now. Three, all across this room, stand your feet. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you at all of our campuses. Come on, that's a big deal. Come on, celebrate Jesus. If that's you, you stand your feet. Stay standing. At Brandon, stand up. Those in St. Pete, Clearwater, North Tampa, those in West Chase, those are the Heights. This is your day. Young man, get up. Let's do this across all of our campuses. Don't leave them standing by themselves. How about we all stand and we celebrate the fact that we've been given new life, that we've been given victory through Jesus. Come on, let's sing it together. And then we're going to pray and pray our faith. Come on. Come on, let's lift it up. everybody close your eyes we just had dozens in this room i know people all over tampa bay just make the best decision of their life where they stood to their feet that act of faith say i'm getting up and following christ we're proud of you i want us all to pray a prayer the prayer doesn't save you it's not the prayer that does it it's it's your act of faith in this moment to say i'm giving jesus control of my life and i want you all to pray it whether you stood to your feet or not i want you to believe it in your heart this is your day to say jesus i'm all in with you I want your resurrection power in my life. Let's pray to all of our campuses. Say, dear Jesus, come on everybody out loud. Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I give you my sin, my past, my shame. Thank you for dying for me. I make a decision to live for you for the rest of my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody that believes it says... Can we celebrate those who just made the best decision ever? Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.